0: This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Flato, and now it's time to check in on the state of science. This is KERN for St. Louis Public Radio Iowa Public Radio News. Local science stories of national significance. As the song says, June is busting out all over, but it's not just the flowers. We're talking the dreaded mosquito. You've got your common ways to fight back, right? Repellent sprays long-sleeved clothing, but in southwest Florida, Lee County is using biotechnology to target a specific species of mosquito that can spread yellow fever and other deadly diseases. Their strategy involves releasing even more mosquitoes. Wow, what, what's the story here? Let's talk about this method with Carrie Barber, reporter for WGCU Public Radio based in Fort Myers, Florida. Welcome to Science Friday. Thanks for having me. More mosquitoes? Tell us about that. How how is more better?
1: (laughs) I know it sounds funny. But the Lee County Mosquito Control District actually released 30,000 extra mosquitoes uh, in April of this year. They're male mosquitoes that have been sterilized. So when they mate with the females, the eggs that are laid will not hatch. So that eventually, in a couple of generations, that will bring down the population of the mosquitoes in that area.
0: Mm, And what kind of mosquitoes are we talking about here? Why are they the targets?
1: They're called Aedes aegypti mosquitoes, which uh, they're a vector for dangerous diseases, like you said, Zika, dengue fever, chikungunya, they can carry yellow fever, They're an invasive species, and they're particularly hard to control for a couple of reasons. They bite in the daytime. Their habitats can be hard to target, and they seem to be becoming resistant to common insecticides.
0: Mm, That is a problem. I know you went to the lab in Lee County where they're working on the sterilization project. Tell me what you saw there.
1: Well, the lab is run by Rachel Moriali, and she and her colleagues are breeding Aedes Egypti in that lab. It's the only species they work with in that lab, and they are breeding them by the hundreds of thousands, <laughs> if you want to put that in your nightmare file. They separate the females from the males in the lab, and they then sterilize the males with radiation, just a regular x-ray like you would get at the doctor's office. They do it at the pupa stage, which is between larva and adult. And then they dust the males with fluorescent powder so that after they release them, they can identify which ones came from the lab and they can see how long they lived and how far they traveled, et cetera.
0: That is really cool.
1: It's really cool. This is Rachel Moriali describing how they dust them with the fluorescent powder.
2: We're using
1: infant nasal aspirators. These are loaded up with Daglo Eco, which is a formaldehyde free pigment. By just gently squeezing, we get this very fine kind of powder mist. And we're able to very lightly, but effectively dust the mosquitoes. And that actually will stay with them for the rest of their lives. They can't really get rid of that marking.
0: Really interesting. I mean, but this isn't a new technology, right?
1: It's not new. It's been in use since 1951, actually, on Sanibel Island, which is also near here. They used it to eliminate the screwworm fly. It's been used throughout the years for various insects. Lee County started using it in June 2020.
0: Hmm. And how will we know when it's working or if it's working? What What's next?
1: Well, I just talked to them over in the lab, and they said they don't have any data yet. But what they can do is eventually they will trap the mosquitoes and see how far they traveled, see um, how long they lived, et cetera. And that will tell them how the population is changing and whether it's working.
0: Well, we'll have you check back with us when we know, Carrie, okay?
1: Sounds great.
0: Carrie Barber, reporter for WGCU Public Radio, based in Fort Myers, Florida. Florida isn't alone in using biotechnology to combat the dangerous Aedes aegypti mosquito. Similar strategies have been used in California, South America, and Northeast Africa. There's another branch of biotechnology, though, that might be weaponized, using CRISPR, to target the DNA of these disease vectors. Dr. Omar Akbari is Professor of Cell and Developmental Biology at the University of California, San Diego, based in San Diego, California. Welcome to Science Friday.
2: Thank you so much. It's really great to be here.
0: Oh, it's our pleasure. Okay, so explain to us how you use CRISPR to alter mosquitoes.
2: Yeah, so we're using CRISPR and a number of different technologies that we're developing we're primarily developing genetic biocontrol technologies. And these are essentially technologies where we can use the insect to combat itself. And so in the Aedes aegypti, which is the major dengue, chikungunya, yellow fever, Zika vector, that's an invasive species, we have been basically expressing CRISPR machinery in the genome of the mosquito such that we can, we can use this to produce sterilized male mosquitoes at scale and we're looking to use this technology to basically mass produce sterilized male mosquitoes as eggs embryos and use um, different types of release technologies to um, spray these into the environment such that these male mosquitoes can hatch out of these eggs they can go find the female mosquitoes they can mate with them and the consequence of that is those females won't produce any viable progeny. And over time, if you, if you do continually release these sterilized males, the population will dwindle and eventually crash. And so you can actually eliminate the mosquitoes in a very species-specific and, and safe way.
0: Hmm. You know, we just heard in Florida how they're releasing sterilized mosquitoes using a little different technique. How is your technique different?
2: Yeah, uh, there there was a trial uh, this year in Lee County where they released uh, thirty thousand sterilized male mosquitoes, and the the technology that they used to sterilize the mosquitoes was an old technology. It's called X ray radiation, and what that essentially does is it you irradiate the adult male mosquitoes, and it breaks apart their DNA such that they become sterilized. And the problem with that is that reduces their, their fitness. Which is their ability to kind of survive and reproduce or mate in the environment, and and so you have to release a lot more of those types of uh, irradiated males, and they also have to release the adults uh, with their with their approach. So it's it's a very difficult to scale, but it still still will work. It's still shown to be effective, but it's more difficult to scale.
0: Yeah, you're saying you're, yours is a more efficient method, if I might. Describe it that way.
2: Basically, our, our, our technology is, is more efficient, more scalable. And, you know, when you're trying to suppress populations of billions of mosquitoes, you really want something that is efficient and scalable so, so you can have um, a wider impact.
0: Now, as, as we say, Florida has tried their method. Your strategy has not been deployed in the wild yet, right? When, when might we see we see this happening?
2: Yeah, so we're actively working to transition the technologies we're developing in our laboratory to field trials. We have launched a company just last year, which we call Synvect, which we're working on uh, still fundraising for that company to enable a field trial so we can determine the effectiveness of, of this approach. And we're hoping that we can get those underway maybe sometime next year. And in addition to that, we are transitioning our technology to other mosquito vectors, such like Anopheles gambi, which is a major malaria vector in Africa. So we can actually hopefully make an impact there too.
0: Yes, Uh, tell me why you're so passionate about targeting this mosquito.
2: Well, this mosquito, Aedes aegypti, it's invasive, and it basically was first found in California in 2011. So it's a very, very recent invasion in California. I find it in my backyard. It bites my kids. It bites me. It spreads a lot of diseases. It spreads dengue, chikungunya, yellow fever, Zika virus. It puts you know our entire country at risk, and you know I think it's very hard to control. The current technologies for trying to control it using insecticides aren't working. These mosquitoes are resistant to the insecticides, so we really need new technologies and. You know, something that is safe for the environment is, is also needed. And that's why I'm really passionate about using genetic biocontrol technologies where you actually use a mosquito to control itself. I think it's, it's the most powerful way to control these, these vectors.
0: Do these mosquitoes look any different than the, than the other mosquitoes?
2: They do. They, they have these black stripes along their legs. So they look kind of like Dark Bader. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can identify them just by looking for the stripes. So.
0: Wow. wow. Are, are there ecological risks to getting rid of Aedes aegypti mosquitoes altogether? I mean, might there be some unintended consequences?
2: Yeah, I think in the United States or in California, removing a species that just invaded shouldn't have any long term ecological consequences. And I think you know when you talk about removing mosquitoes, there's a bit of a misconception there, because there's there's about 3,500 species of mosquitoes worldwide. Wow! And there's really old, there's only about a handful of them that transmit diseases or, or pathogens to us. So we're really only talking about removing you know maybe 10 to 15 different vectors, and if we did that, we would we would get rid of 99% of the pathogens they they transmit. So. We're not talking about removing all mosquitoes, but just specific ones that are harmful to us. And I think if you do it that way, then I don't really believe that there's going to be any um, major ecological consequences.
0: And this mosquito carries a lot of
2: diseases. It does. It carries a lot of viruses, Aedes aegypti. And so if you were to remove it, then you could actually you know stop the transmission of, of multiple different viruses. And I think that's that there can be a major impact there
0: very interesting do you think it's possible that our next pandemic comes from a mosquito-borne illness
2: it's possible you know the last epidemic which was zika virus was mosquito-borne actually was transmitted by aedes aegypti and and that was a major problem back in 2015 i remember when i when i first opened our the doors of my lab um, at uc riverside on the news there were pictures of babies that were born with microcephaly which was caused by Zika virus, and so um, that was a major problem. And you know, COVID fortunately was not transmissible by mosquito, but you know, what if it was? So in, in a way, we dodged a pretty big bullet there. It was airborne transmissible, but not mosquito-borne. So you know, the next one could be mosquito-borne, and we need to we need to kind of invest in better tools and technologies to protect us.
0: So what would make a mosquito-borne pandemic? Particularly scary. What about the mosquitoes? Uh,
2: well, I, I feel that the Zika virus epidemic was pretty scary, right? When, when you have uh, pregnant yeah. women, uh, I mean, you know, worried about traveling or worried about being bitten by a mosquito because their are unborn could potentially um, be born with microcephaly. I thought that was extremely scary, actually. And so you could imagine something something like that 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 maybe even um, you know, more broad scale, um, that would be pretty scary.
0: And and be, and because these bugs go everywhere and they bite during the day, this kind of mosquito easier to spread, right?
2: They do bite during the day. They hide. They hide inside your closets and your bathrooms. They come out at night. They'll feed on you while you're sleeping. They their eggs. This is one interesting fact about Aedes aegypti is that their eggs actually can can desiccate meaning that, you know, they can lay their eggs like by, you know, on a leaf by the water. And then when it dries out, the egg will survive in this diapause state. And it can survive like that for up to five years. And so what it will do is it'll just sit there. And next time rain comes, the water will touch the egg. The egg will hatch. Out will come your larvae. Then will come your adults. So you have this this species that can just sit there. In completely dried out areas and then when rain comes it can can hatch out and so this is another reason why it's very hard to control
0: now you have scared me <laughs> you know describing yeah. how you know how perfect this is like a perfect disease spreading animal
2: right it is and i will add to that and you know one of the things that we have taken into consideration in our technologies we're developing is this fact that we can store those eggs So we're developing technologies that we can deploy as eggs, which will enable us to build factories where we can produce eggs and then store them. And then we can deploy them and out will come your sterilized males. So we really take advantage of the biology of the insect as well.
0: This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. Could the mosquito, let's say, you know, you you get this to work. Could the mosquito evolve to be resistant to your technique?
2: We've thought of that too. And so we have technologies where that could be problematic, where mosquito could evolve or its genome could evolve and it will evolve. But the technology I'm talking about here, where we produce sterilized males, we're essentially producing a dead end product. We have a factory where we produce these eggs, the eggs get deployed, outcome your sterilized males. Sterilized males will find wild females, so mate with them, and they won't produce any progeny because the male is sterile. So there really isn't a mechanism or opportunity for evolution to take place because you've kind of created a dead end product that that's basically a pesticide.
0: That is good to hear. And I imagine the rest of the world is waiting to see how how you do.
2: I think so. I think there's a lot of people that are are looking at the technologies we're developing. They're they're very excited about it. And and they're they're waiting for us to figure out how to transition it, which is not an easy task. Actually, most of our work in the lab is small scale, but when you actually want to take something and and scale it and transition it to the real world, that's that's a pretty big task, actually. And so we're trying to achieve that.
0: Yeah. Well, what do we do in the meantime? What this as I, you know, this is mosquito season. What actions can we individually do to try to fight this mosquito in the meantime?
2: I I think the best approach um, is to just wear, when you're out and about, wear long sleeve clothing or pants and to protect, you know, your exposed areas. And if you do happen to wear shorts, there are repellents, and the repellents do work. So use the the deep-based repellents, and that will protect you. Make sure you have screens in all your windows so they don't get inside your house. Keep your doors closed. These are things that actually do work. You prevent contact at all means with the mosquito. And if you do that, then, you know, you're you're not going to get diseases.
0: Well, that's great news to hear. You folks are working on this. I want to thank you for taking time to be with us and telling us about it.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Dr. Omar Akbari, Professor of Cell and Developmental Biology, University of California in San Diego.